Isn't there always kind of a wave of sadness when you're packing up your room? Yeah. And it feels, but then you realize, oh no, it's not over. Yeah. We still got a whole day. We still got a whole day. Okay. Is this better? Okay. A <laughs> um, couple things I want to say about what was shared. Uh, Francie, we love you. Yeah. Can't do enough for you. And you know, when I was thinking about joining this church, one of the things that pushed me in that direction was, I want this church behind me when I have a crisis. <laughs> and I remember Susan Thompson saying, oh, yes, you do. <laughs> so that's a tribute to our church and the love and support that we give one another. Um, also, lest I was misunderstood, oh, I meant to bring a verse. If somebody can look it up for me and read it. Unless... Uh, I know last night I emphasized how rotten we are, <laughs> you know, but that was in an effort to contrast it with God's love. So I was glad what Kelly, that Kelly mentioned how pleased he is with us. And somebody can look up for me Psalm 16.3. I meant to bring that up here with my, in my phone, but um, I, I came across this yesterday, and um, it's precious. The second part. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> yes. As for the saints in the land, that's you and me, they are the excellent ones. Okay? So he has taken us from being in the pit, a hater of God, to being called the excellent ones. And then the next part, in whom is all my delight. Amen. Amen. I just had to share that. <laughs> She's one of those young techie ones. She found that verse really fast. <laughs> Okay, and so far the best part for me has been the sledding. Amen? And there's going to be, there's more to come. I can't wait. Okay. All right. Let's get serious now. Um, okay, last time in our time together, we talked about knowing God's love. Uh, most of our focus was on how he has demonstrated his love for us at Calvary. In our previous times together this year, we've talked about his sovereignty and his wisdom and we talked about our close union with him being described as being in Christ. Um, we saw that once we are born again, we enjoy the most intimate of relationships, father and child. All of this due to his divine love demonstrated at Calvary. So last night we gained information about his love. Truth we need to know if we are going to be able to trust him. But now, we have, by now, we've been thoroughly introduced to his sovereignty, wisdom, and love, and the facts about God's love. But we need to have more than just knowledge of his love. This morning, our focus is going to be on how we experience God's love. And by experiencing God's love, I'm not talking about feeling God's love. Okay? There's a difference. And the first time I looked through the titles of the chapters in our book... I came across the chapter, um, Knowing God's Love, and I thought, okay, you know, I know, I know about God's love, and um, then I saw the next chapter, and I thought, oh, that'll be the good stuff, experiencing God's love, you know, because by that, I meant, I'm going to feel God's love. I want to feel it, um, and back then, I mean, that was many years ago, as I've told most of you once before, I've been reading this book for 30 years, 
Okay, <laughs> so way back then, I was very motivated by my feelings as a new believer. And I thought, oh, if I could just feel God's love more often and more deeply, I know I could be a better Christian. Um, but God's love is not a feeling. It's a profound reality that God wants us to experience. Here's a quote, Richard Baxter. Is it a small thing in your eyes to be loved by God? To be the daughter, the spouse, the love, the delight of the king of glory. Christian, believe this and think about it. You will be eternally embraced in the arms of love, which was from everlasting and will extend to everlasting. You are embraced in the arms of the love which brought the son of God, son of God's love from heaven to earth, from earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to glory. That love which was weary, hungry, tempted, scorned, scourged, buffeted, spat upon, crucified, pierced, which fasted, prayed, taught, healed, wept, sweated, bled, and died. That love will eternally embrace you. It's much more than a feeling. Let's first talk about experiencing God's love through believing his word. In order to experience the love of God, we must decide that what the Bible says about the love of God is true. John 17, 17 says, your word is truth. Psalm 1830 says, this God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. We can know and be convinced that everything in this book can be trusted. And for purposes that we're covering this weekend, we must believe that what God says in his word about his love is true, if we want to experience his love. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is the verse that tells us that the word of God is sufficient for any of life's scenarios. It is sufficient for helping us know everything we need to know about his love. So let's look at what God's word says about his love. This is a living book with power to transform us. That's what the Bible calls sanctification. And what's written about his love is intended to help us become more like Christ and to provide the comfort and assurance that we are in the love of God and to help us trust him. According to God's word, God is abounding in steadfast love. Exodus 34, 6. Autumn mentioned the word steadfast. In my studies, I spent time in that word. It was wonderful. It means resolutely or dutifully firm. I don't usually think of that word dutiful in relation to God's relationship with me, but you can chew on that. It's very interesting. And that word steadfast is used many, many times in Scripture to describe God's love. Um, resolutely or dutifully firm. This is the love that God has for you. What else does God's word say about his love? Well, just a few things. Um, his love extends to the heavens. His love never ceases. His love is rich. 
It's the greatest ever. His love is unfailing. His love is enduring. His love is unimaginable. His love is self-sacrificing. His love is divine. But in order to experience this love, we need to believe it. We must make a decision that what this book says about God's love, I can take it to the bank. If I'm believing it, I will act like I believe it. And then I experience it, not the other way around. There are situations where we can feel unloved. We must run to God's word for reassurance of his love for us. We cannot look to anyone or anything for this love. We must park our heart in his word and meditate on it. Pray over the verses on his love. As we meditate and pray over God's word, we will begin to enjoy the assurance of his love. And it's much deeper than a feeling. Let's look at his love in our trials. Another way we experience God's love is through the trials, <laughs> unfortunately, in a sense, that he allows us to go through. Um, we have many assurances from the word of God that even in our trials, whatever the scale, God is loving us. Right, Francie? <laughs> he is loving you. Yep. His trials have a loving purpose, and they are an expression or a demonstration of his love. So one of the ways that we get to experience the love of God is to go through trials. God is interested in what is the very best for us. In his infinite wisdom and love, he knows what that best looks like. Can you look at that trial you are going through and see it as God loving you? You must if you want to experience his love. Remember Romans 37 through 39, that nothing can separate you from his love? That includes that trial that you feel so inadequate to handle. That trial is God refining us, even disciplining us, not punishing us, but he's training us to be more godly. He loves us too much not to discipline us. All that happens to us has been filtered through his love. We can trust him even when life hurts. Psalm 94.12 assures us that blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, and when, whom you teach out of your law. We must see our trials in the light of this verse, that you are blessed. If you trust God through the storms of life, you will be more spiritually mature, more Christ-like, and we will experience the love of God as we go through these trials. Your steadfast, there it is again, love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. The Lord has become my stronghold and my God, the rock of my refuge. Psalm 94, 18 and 22. Trust in his steadfast love in your trials. I have a friend, I'm gonna call her Sophie. Sophie is a Christian woman, and she is married to a very, very difficult man. Uh, the problems in her marriage began to wear Sophie down, and eventually she slipped into a I've got to do what's right for me mode. 
She separated from her husband and stayed that way for several months. We started to meet every Friday night. She was absolutely out of any resources to battle her frustration, her utter disillusionment in her marriage, and her lack of love for this man. But deep down inside, she knew the scriptures didn't give her permission to leave this man, and she felt guilty about that. After three weeks of meeting with her, she moved back in with her husband and was committed to doing what God wanted her to do in her marriage. Well, the first year was rough. Uh, there were days of failure and discouragement as she practiced putting off the old ways of responding to him and the old ways of thinking. He's so impossible, she would tell me. I just don't think I'll ever be able to love him like I know God wants me to. We kept meeting. We went through the book, The Excellent Wife, and she kept at it. Oh. And I've had the joy of witnessing Sophie's transformation in the midst of a very deep trial. She is now loving, serving, and extending mercy to this very difficult man. She's repenting of her anger and her self-centeredness and her demands that God give her a Prince Charming. She's just beaming. And she's a beautiful testimony to the help God can give and will give if we trust his love during our trials. Um, before I leave the topic of trials and the love of God, I really highly recommend the chapter in Trusting God, Growing Through Adversity. Um, the truths in that chapter will help you understand more about some of the specific things that God is trying to work into your character through adversity. Uh, by responding to God's love in your trial, by trusting and obeying his word, you will be experiencing God's love. Another way to experience God's love is to learn to rest in his love. Many of us are quite stressed out, and we think it's normal. We don't think there's anything wrong with that. We may even think that it's a sign of being a good, industrious multitasker. Some of us are hopeless perfectionists, and we don't ever relax. Well, God would have us resting and relaxing in his love. I think every reference book I looked at in finding commentary on resting in the Lord, uh, they all referred me to Psalm 23 as kind of the go-to text for resting in the Lord. Um, Psalm 23, 1 and 2. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We need to lie down on the inside. We need to lie down, metaphorically speaking, and experience God's love. Now, with sheep, it's almost impossible to make sheep to lie down. Does this sound like anybody you know? Sheep are not at rest if they sense danger. They're at odds with one another. They are irritated or bugged by tiny insects, you know, the little things in life, and they are not well fed. For sheep to be made to lie down takes loving and steadfast care from a shepherd. In Psalm 23, God wants us to know that we are those sheep 
that he is our shepherd and his care for us is meticulous and constant. Therefore, we can lie down on the inside. Trusting him, we can be at rest. Psalm, or Isaiah 26.3 says, among other things, that God can keep us in perfect peace. Yeah. Are you lying down? Why not? The Lord loves you. And he wants you to more than just know it. He wants you to experience it. And speaking of sheep and shepherds, I want to recommend another wonderful classic book by W. Philip Keller. It's A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Any of you read it? It's a, it's a classic. Oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. it, it it's just, it will bring Psalm 23, it, it'll bring it to life. It's, it's a delicious, beautiful book. Uh, w. Philip Keller. Because I think there's another Philip Keller author. This is, the title is A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And he actually became a shepherd. Yeah, so he's writing from experience. And you can see yourself in those sheep. It's just amazing. Okay, if we want to experience God's love, we need to obey him, obey his word. Unfortunately, our tendency, at least I know mine is, is to want to feel loved by God before I obey him. But that would require no faith, no gratitude, no love to God. God wants us to demonstrate to him that we trust him by our obedience, whether we feel his love or not. The very least thing we can do in response to what he has done for us is to obey him. We experience the love of God when we obey him. John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him. This is the good part. And will show myself to him. In the original language, that means I will show myself to him in a special way. The more obedience in your life, the more you will experience the love of God. John 14, 21 says so. And you will find it easier to trust him. Obedience will bring a winsomeness and a power and a peace to your walk with God. You will radiate his love and it will glorify him. Thinking of our obligation to obey the Lord, consider the following words to another hymn. We kind of have a hymn theme going on this weekend, don't we? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that would be an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Obedience is, the, is an appropriate response to the Savior. It's the only appropriate response to the Savior. If obeying God is one of the ways that we will experience God's love, then we need to know God's word. We need to spend time in God's word, and that's nothing new to us. We all know this. Psalm 119 is a detailed explanation of how God's word works in our lives. If you need some fresh motivation or inspiration to help you spend more time in God's word, this psalm, I think, you will find is very inspiring. Um, spending time in God's word creates a hunger 
and a thirst for itself somehow. Saturate your mind with it, and you will experience the love of God. Uh, before I leave Psalm 119, I would like to suggest a help if you are having trouble disciplining yourself to get into God's word regularly. Um, throughout this psalm, there are prayers such as, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes, verse 5. Let me not wander from your commandments, verse 10. Or strengthen me according to your word, verse 28. Make these prayers of the psalmist your prayers. Pray them fervently. If I were having trouble spending time in God's word, and I would say for the majority of my Christian life, I have struggled with that. I would linger over Psalm 119 and pray the scriptures. Pray the psalmist's prayers in there as you read. And ask God to help you treasure his word. You know, you wouldn't think we'd have to ask God to help us do that. <laughs> but I have. I've had to ask God to help me treasure his word. I've had to ask God to help me love him. Uh, we do. Uh, so, and he's answered those prayers. Psalm 119 will help you do that. Um, all right, hiding God's word in our heart. Now, in several places in Jerry Bridges' book, maybe in every chapter, I don't know, I didn't count, he exhorts, exhorts us repeatedly to store up God's word in our hearts. If you've read the book, you've noticed uh, at the end of the chapter, he'll say, okay, how do you trust God in this area? You hide God's word in your heart. He just repeats it over and over. So he makes a strong connection between scripture memory and trusting God, obviously. He says, God's love is an objective truth that cannot be contradicted, but it's truth that we must store away in our minds and hearts. Then we must use it in the midst of adversity to deal with our doubts, combat the accusations of Satan, and glorify God by trusting him. Years ago, I would think, oh, come on, it can't be that simple. You know, I wanted more from him on how can I experience the love of God. Plus, scripture memory is so hard, you know. Um, but the more I memorized scripture, I submitted myself to that, I will experience truly the power in the word of God, and it will be easier to trust him. I'd like to recommend a message by a woman named Susan Heck. Any of you found her on YouTube? Susan Heck, H-E-C-K. Have you? Oh, isn't she great? Um, she has a, a ministry called With the Master. Her husband is a um, pastor in Oklahoma, although he just passed away. I need to bring that up. But he died of COVID just a few months ago. Anyway, she's carrying on. And um, she has a, a talk called A Call to Scripture Memory. And it's become the message that she's most known for. Um, and I highly recommend it to you. It's really inspiring, very practical, and very helpful, and you'll like Susan. She's a delightful, godly woman with lots to share on this topic. So listen to it soon, and then listen again in six months. Okay? You'll need to listen more than once, I guarantee you. Um, and I would love to know, if you listen to her, I'd love to know what you think. Um, I know talking about scripture memory can be kind of like talking about prayer. It can be uh, easily send us into a paralyzing guilt trip, yes. right? Um, 
Well, a paralyzing guilt trip is not going to help you memorize scripture. <laughs> um, but just like Pastor encouraged us a couple weeks ago when he was talking about prayer, another, another subject that we can just get, oh, my word, I'm such a failure in that area. Um, start slow and take small bites. You know, the first time I listened to Susan, I went at it way too intensely. I bit off way more than I could chew. And I, so I dropped it. I got discouraged. And then I waited for months before I picked it up again. So listen to Susan and start out by taking baby steps. That would be my recommendation. If you have trouble, if you're not already a, you know, voracious scripture memory gal, this is what I would recommend. Uh, but keep it going. And you will experience the love of God as his word abides in your heart. And you will be fortified and the word of God will be there in your heart for the Holy Spirit to use to help you trust God. Jerry Bridges was right again. Okay, to wrap up, at Calvary, God loved you. He wants you to know that. And through obedience to his word, he wants us to experience that love. God's love, wisdom, and sovereignty, these three attributes, they don't tell us everything about God, but they tell us everything we need to know to be able to trust him. Let's quote, close with a quote and a verse. I'm going to read the quote first, and it's right inside your handout, uh, the first page that you turn behind the cover. It starts, I, I didn't write the, the author's name in my notes, but it starts out, how is it imaginable? Did you find that? I think it's right inside. No. Sorry, it's the notes. Oh, um, it's it's John Flavel, and it's on the page just following. Uh, oh, can I? It doesn't quite start with how is it imaginable, but it's, it starts with the Well, this is interesting. Well, just listen to me as I read my quote. And you've got that one in there. Okay. How is it imaginable that God should withhold, after this, spirituals or temporals from his people? How shall he not... Call them effectually, justify them freely, sanctify them thoroughly, and glorify them eternally. How shall he not clothe them, feed them, protect and deliver them? Surely, if he would not spare his own son one stroke, one tear, one groan, one sigh, or one circumstance of misery, it can never be imagined that ever he should, after Calvary, deny or withhold from his people for whose sakes all this was suffered, he will never deny or withhold any mercies, any comforts, any privilege, spiritual or temporal, which is good for them. Romans 8, 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also 
with him graciously give us all things. Romans 8.32 Can this really be? I scarce can take it in. Let's pray. Lord, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? And then having done that, Lord, you would bless us with the privilege of obeying you. That we might experience that love daily and for all eternity. Move us past the realm of our feelings, Lord. Move us into the realm of trust and obedience. That we might experience the love of God and live a life of gratitude and joy that would bring glory to your name and that would also draw, uh, draw, draw others to the Savior. In the name of our astonishing, loving Savior, amen. amen.